you know, go into public service. I, I really have no idea uh, what the future holds. I could be a stay-at-home dad, but that's the goal is to have that option five and a half years from now that if I do want to be a stay-at-home dad, that I can go ahead and do it. Uh, or if I want to fly for the airlines, I can do that. Or if I want to stay in the Navy, then I can I can do that. So uh, there is there is one thing, uh, and this is like a very tongue-in-cheek answer, uh, a response to your question. Uh, there was a 99-cent uh, bottle of orange juice. I was at a, a conference for work before I joined the Navy, and I was so frugal that I did not buy that 99-cent uh, bottle of orange juice, and I so badly wanted it. I got in line, and I ended up putting it back uh, because I was too frugal. And uh, so I, it kind of a joking answer, but it, it gets to the fact that it's a problem that I've always dealt with um, and I'm trying to get better at is to actually spend money and part with it. You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. This is episode number 262. Got a great episode planned today with Joe. He's 32, former attorney, and is now a Navy pilot. He's a net worth of just over a million dollars. So really interesting discussion with him on making that career switch and just the different things that, that he's done in his life. And obviously, we talk a little bit about what his profession is like today, which is a super cool discussion. Haven't had somebody on that level of experience in the military that that I'm aware of, uh, especially on the on the Navy side. That that uh, as a pilot, so a real interesting conversation with him. Definitely had several military members out there. Definitely appreciate uh, the, the service of Joe and all those who have come on and those uh, who listen. Last week we had Jeff. He was a community college administrator. His net worth was just around 1.1 million. Broken up in various retirement accounts. We discussed the, with him about leaving legacy and inheritances and, and different things that have uh, you know affected his family in a positive way financially. He was raised by a single mom. Very amazing, tremendous story uh, with Jeff. So go check out that episode. I wanted to leave, or read a couple of reviews that we got recently. Uh, this one comes from Cash YG. It said, one of a kind podcast. I don't know of any other podcast that digs into personal finances of everyday people. It provides absolutely wonderful stories of folks who have financially done well. A wealth of information for listeners who strive to get there or the ones who have already achieved it. I am a big, I'm a big fan. Got another one from uh, money nerd four, five, six, seven, nine. This podcast is great. I enjoy each of the stories and the allocation. Sad to see Clark go, but excited to see what the future holds with Jace. Appreciate that. Once again, we love all those reviews that you uh, give us on Apple and Stitcher and anywhere else you might listen to the podcast continues to help grow the show and get quality guests on. Without any further delay, let's get into the episode this week with Joe. Joe, do you want to just give us a little about your background and what trips you now? Sure, be happy to. I am currently a uh, Navy pilot. I fly the F-18 Super Hornet. And uh, before that, I was uh, a licensed and practicing attorney in my hometown. Yeah, I'm a big personal finance uh, aficionado, and it's just something that um, has always coincided with my outlook on money, and and uh, I've always been a big saver. So I've been listening to your podcast for quite some time. 
I, uh, I absolutely love it, and I'd be happy to go into why I love it as opposed to all the other ones. Not that I don't enjoy them, but uh, yours is particularly my favorite, and uh, I'm happy to be on on a podcast. It's my first time uh, being invited to a podcast or, or reaching out to be on a podcast. So thanks for having me on. So be- before we get into your story, thanks for your service, by the way. We, we were just chatting a little bit before the show, and you, you've got some big news, man. What's your net worth now? So when I reached out to you guys to be on the show, I was at 875, and I am I'm uh, 1.02. So uh, again, I, I want to reiterate, hopefully that doesn't preclude me from being uh, invited back onto the show uh, <laughs> later on. Definitely not. So coming on to, to do the Million Dollar Holler, man, I love it. So tell our listeners how the, the million bucks is broken up. And also just for, for context, maybe if you don't mind sharing, you know, your age or roughly how old you are so that they can get some context around this. Cause it's pretty remarkable what you've done in such a short time. Oh, absolutely. Yep. 32 years old. Uh, got about another six months before I turn 33. Uh, the financial makeup, I've got 135 K in TSP, which is the, uh, the government version of the 401k. And then from my previous job, uh, as an attorney, uh, I was able to put 35 K into my 401k. So, uh, add that up uh, public math, right? Uh, 170 uh, in my 401k. I've got 70,000 in my Roth IRA. I've got 23,000 in a 529. I don't have kids, but I've got it in my nephew's name. Uh, and I can either leave that in his name or transfer that over to my own kids if that's applicable uh, some point down the road. And then I've got 400, uh, roughly 460,000 in a taxable account. I've got uh, about 65,000 in crypto, although uh, it was going down as of a few hours ago, so maybe it's a little bit less. Uh, I've got about 200,000 in home equity. I've got uh, 10,000 in a checking account, 2,000 in savings, in a savings account, and then uh, about 20,000 in a uh, business checking account. And hopefully that hopefully that adds up to the 1.02 that uh, that, I, that I talked about. If my math, <laughs> uh, if I did it right. If not for the viewers, so sorry. Somewhere close there, maybe. The the money that you've got invested in the market is that in bonds, stocks, mutual funds. What's the makeup there? Great question. So. For the TSP and 401k, I am as uh, risky as I can be. So I'm in, uh, if anybody's adept to the TSP, I'm in 100% C fund, which is the uh, stock, the overall stock market index fund that uh, that TSP allows you to do. As far as my, my 401k, I'm also as risky as possible. Roth IRA and my taxable accounts are all, uh, they're managed. My family, we've got some uh, a, a small plot of land, and uh, my parents are small business owners. So th- there's somebody that that works taxes and things with them. So it's just sort of uh, I, I do I pay the the expense ratio, uh, but to me it's well worth it for that because there's a lot more going on than uh, than my own personal finance aspect of it. So uh, that's just good peace of mind for me, and then. Uh, let's see here. And then the 529, that's also in the most risk, um, the riskiest category that I could find as well, just because I'm so young and, uh, I know the market's going to go down. There's going to be a correction. There's going to be a crash at some point, but I know that I've got, uh, you know, 20, 30 years where I can make that up. And if it goes down, then great. I buy at a discount. I keep, uh, keep my savings rate, uh, extremely high. And, uh, I don't foresee, 
retiring anytime soon. I could see, uh, sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here, hope that's okay. I could see potentially getting out of the military at some point and then uh, having options available to me, but there's, I don't see uh, myself sitting on the couch watching uh, Prices Right at 11 o'clock. So define retirement, right? Uh, is it is it sitting around doing nothing? Is it traveling? Uh, I'll probably find a way to still bring in some money while I'm technically retired. How long have you been investing in those tax-advantaged accounts? All right, yep. So the TSP and the Roth uh, since day one. Uh, I've always maxed those out. And then luckily, a, a couple of years ago, the government instituted um, uh, a matching program. So uh, now I get 5% matching on the TSP, but uh, I've maxed it out since I started working. So since I was 24, 25-ish. So 5% on what you put in and it's capped at a certain percentage of your salary, I assume? Uh, no. So um, no, it's not. It, it goes up when you when your uh, rank goes up uh, and your base pay goes up. So I get 5% and then, but that 5% isn't traditional. Uh, I put everything else into uh, Roth. So yeah. I think that answers. I think that answers. Is that what you're getting at? Okay, so so five percent of your base is what they put in. Correct, five percent of my base. I got you. I got you. And then you can contribute just up to the legal amount. Exactly, which is uh, uh, kind of a contentious subject for me because the way the the interface works with the website, you can no longer. Apparently, you used to be able to do this. You can you could go in and put. I want to contribute nineteen thousand a year. Or whatever the maximum allowed is for that that given uh, taxable year. Now you have to do a percentage of your of your pay of your base pay, which is a little bit more work. And also sometimes it's a government website, so it doesn't update instantaneously for the next paycheck. So it might take a few pay cycles to uh, to update your your uh, your percentage. Uh, where that gets you into trouble is if you have some some you, you rank up or uh, or your base pay goes up because you got a, you got a pay raise based off of the the uh, the rank in years in service. Uh, sometimes you can go over, going over uh, a little bit, not a big deal. Uh, but if you go over to the point where, let's say, you hit the max contribution limit for the year in October, you will you will not get the and and, and I could be wrong here, but I'm pretty darn sure that this is the case. You will not get the five percent for November and December. So uh, maybe that's not true, but um, I'm being uh, I'm fairly confident in that, and I'm being overly safe, or trying to be as diligent as uh, with that as I can, and getting the exact amount right, uh, or roughly the exact amount right that I get the matching. Gotcha. And the options in the TSP are they pretty good or not not great? Uh, you mean the allocation options? Like Correct. Or, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, so I know I, you mentioned most of yours is in a total market, so at least they have a couple good options. But curious exactly. what the others are. Yeah, I think there's like four or five. I'm sorry, I should have done more research on it beforehand, but I think there's four or five, and then you've got the the uh, the 2060 and 2050 and 2040 and 2030. So when you want to retire, but I just took control of that and put it all into C fund. I'm, I know there's a basically 100% bond, uh, so you can go as as um, as risk or risk averse as you'd yeah. like. But there aren't a whole bunch of different options. I think there might be an emerging markets one. Um, there might be a, a, a foreign option but uh, there aren't too many there's not there's not a whole bunch but you know what it it, suit, it meets my needs with the uh, the overall enough. 
great fun. Yeah. Exactly. So, Joe, give us a little background here. I know you have a unique background. Obviously, you went to school. You mentioned uh, before you joined the Navy. So give give us kind of a brief background here on who you are. Sure. I uh, got my got my bachelor's from Indiana University. I got out and uh, I did that in three years. I got out and uh, wasn't actually anticipating being able to graduate that spring. I, I had a meeting with my advisor and uh, he said, you know, you've got enough credits that if you took just one class this summer, you could go ahead and graduate this spring. So I had no idea. Uh, so I went ahead and did that, though. I uh, went out and got an internship slash job with the state Senate for that gap year because my plan was to go to law school. So uh, I did not have my application fully for that because I wasn't anticipating being able to graduate so soon. So I went to law school in 2011 and uh, graduated uh, in two and a half years from that, passed the bar and got to work for a couple of years and then uh, realized the desk wasn't for me and joined the Navy and, and uh, finally did something that I always wanted to do, which was to, to fly, uh, fly planes for the, for the military. So why the Navy? That because that was the dream, or how did that change come, happen? Well, part of it is uh, my my best friend was a uh, is a, a Navy pilot as well, and uh, so I got all of that experience and knowledge from him. I didn't really even consider anything else, but you know, everybody always asked me why why Navy, not Air Force, and I didn't really even know much about the Marines at that point for aviation. Although they are they're naval aviators, and they. Uh, they're under the Department of Navy. So I didn't know about them. I may have considered them uh, if I had known about it, but uh, I knew I wasn't going to go Air Force. I knew I wanted Navy because, um, you know, the aircraft carrier was was the big thing for me. And the the rush of being able to land on a, on a, on a moving boat in the middle of the ocean and then being in a, in a forward operating area with that, uh, those capabilities was very, very uh, alluring to me. So uh, for me, it was always Navy and, and luckily, Luckily, they accepted me. So let's talk about this. So we'll take a step back here from the personal finance. Can you just take off your humble hat and just tell us, tell everybody what that's like to fly an F-18? I mean, I just looked it up. We're talking top miles per hour, like 1,100 miles per hour, landing on an aircraft carrier in the middle of the ocean. I mean, what is it like? Well, so uh, I'll, I'll do my best to take the humble hat on, but I really am humbled every single day by, by what I get to do. And, you know, I was never... I look back on high school and I'm going to digress from you real quickly, but um, from the question, but uh, I was never fully into school in high school. And now I look back and it's like, man, I would have loved to have, you know, what a, what a great opportunity to learn about a, a myriad of different subjects. Uh, and it's right there for you and it's, and it's free. Um, so, and I, so I didn't, I didn't uh, apply myself fully to school in, in high school. So um you know, I, I don't know why. I, I'm, I'm going to remain humble because I don't know why they let me do it. But it's it's the thrill of a lifetime and uh, getting launched off a carrier, especially on a pitch dark night uh, and you can't see anything. There's no not even star references. Uh, it's out of this world. And then landing in poor weather, poor visibility, and uh, you know at night it, it's it, and then you trap uh, and then you walk downstairs uh, in, in your in your gear. It, it's unlike anything in the world. And then, um, you know, being able to dogfight in the air and feel the G's and, uh, you know, and, and be humbled. You're, you're constantly humbled. If you ever meet a, a, a fighter pilot that's not humble, uh, I mean, they're, they're wrong uh, because we make mistakes 
every single day. There's no there's no such thing as a perfect flight, and um, it's extremely stressful, and it's a lot of work. Uh, but I think all of that encompasses into one of the most thrilling experiences uh, of of your lifetime. And I'll look back one day and and think, uh, wow, I can't believe I, I a got the opportunity to do that, and b was able to was able to do it. But uh, you definitely get there with with the help from your friends and family, and and then all of your all of your uh, your shipmates that that you go through the program with, and and uh, we we get by together. So. Sorry for the long-winded answer, but uh, I'll, no, I don't know great. if the, the, the humble hacking can actually fully come off. No, it's interesting. Ha- yeah, thanks for sharing. What's the what's the process like getting into that, the application and approval process? Yeah, great question. So um, there's two routes, the enlisted and the officer uh, route. So if there's anybody interested in, in pursuing naval aviation uh, and being a pilot, definitely be careful uh, not, to, not to rag on on recruiters, but sometimes they've got quotas to fill and I've heard horror stories. So that's out there. Uh, make sure you do your research. Uh, to be a, uh, a naval aviator, you have to have a college degree. To be an officer in the in the military, you've got to have a college degree. And then I went down to the recruiting office, said I wanted to, uh, wanted to fly. They asked me if I wanted to uh, apply for uh, naval flight officer as well, which is essentially the Maverick front seat, goose back seat for lack of a better uh, lack of a better explanation because there's not much truth to uh, that movie at all uh, except there is a place called Top Gun and they do have planes there. But they asked me if I wanted to apply for that and I said no. And they they said why not? What if what if you don't get pilot? And I said well I I can't say I didn't try. Uh, so I applied for pilot, went through the whole process, got letters of recommendation, gave them my transcripts, went to MEPS which is the medical processing center. Uh, get checked out head to toe, do all these different tests, uh, submit a personal statement, do the uh, intro. Uh, I guess it's called the ASTB. I forget what it stands for. I'm sorry, uh, but it's the um, the intro test to see your your aptitude uh, for being a pilot. And then you wait for your board, and luckily got accepted. So um, yeah, if anybody's got uh, got any questions about that process, I'd be more than more than happy to to guide them through it or help them through it rather um, if they. Uh, if they get my contact info through you guys. Wow. Wow. Pretty amazing. Well, thanks again for doing it. So are, are you, I mean, young age, million dollar net worth, how does that compare to the people that you serve with? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I know a lot of friends, uh, I've got a couple of good friends uh, that I fly with that, uh, you know, we openly talk about it because you know, we're big on personal finance, right? There are two people that I'm open about the actual number with. Uh, one of them is my personal finance mentor uh, who retired at 31, and then the other one uh, doesn't fly in my squadron, uh, so he's in a completely different area, and we now touch base every few months. Um, so we don't really talk the exact number, and I don't really know if I wanted to divulge that to uh, you know my friends in everyday conversation just because uh, – you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an odd thing to now be able to say I'm a, I'm a millionaire and – but there are definitely a lot of people in, in the military and especially uh, in aviation that are very, very personal finance oriented. I remember the uh, my mentor saying that he had a friend that was in the military and he said that, you know, you're never going to strike it rich in the military. But if you're diligent, then you can do something really special. And this guy had put in about a thousand dollars a month, maxed out his, his stuff and then put a thousand dollars a month in addition to maxing out his uh his retirement vehicles and, uh, and, and was able to grow that. And so 
that was always sort of the benchmark for me. That was the challenge. Like, okay, can I do that? And then a thousand and, uh, and, and now I've exceeded that. So I feel like I'm giving long winded answers to all your, your questions. I'm sorry about that, but, uh, there's definitely a lot of people, but I don't think we really talk about the exact number that we all, that we all have. Who is your mentor that you, that you speak about? Yep. So he's a, he's a very good friend of mine. We grew up in the same neighborhood. He's uh, four years, my senior, four or five years, my senior. And, and, uh, and I won't go too much into his story, but he got out of college and, uh, is very, very frugal and saved 95% of his income. He got, he did very, very well in his job and was able to save a lot of money. And then, uh, he just, he just turns things into gold. So he's got his hands in all these, you know, weird investments, but they just turn to gold every single time. I mean, it could be, I got this idea of, you know, with baseball cards, or I've got this idea on uh, barrels of wine. And it's like, how do you even begin to, you know, it's the Donald Rumsfeld, you don't know what you don't know. And I, I, I don't know where, where he gets these things. But then he got linked up with some, some buddies uh, to do um, market strategies and hedge fund managing. So um, he's retired, but he's still super active. You know, he's got, um, his real estate broker's license. So he's got his hands in real estate. He's got his hands in the market. He's got his hands on just a lot of uh, different things. So technically retired, but you know, he's just very active. And uh, one, one story that just shows exactly who he is. Uh, I remember my mom answering the door when I was a kid and it was, and it was my mentor and he was probably 10 years old selling candy bars for, um, for school. And, you know, Mrs. Mrs. Joe, would you like to uh, buy a candy bar or you know, buy a candy bars for our, our school fundraiser? Well, sure. Of course. I'd love to. How much are they? He said two for a dollar. So my mom goes, OK, can I buy one for 50 cents? Uh, no, sorry. They're two for a dollar. You know, so quite the salesman and, and uh, you know, wheeler dealer. But yeah, he, he's extremely good and a great friend to have to be able to talk uh, these conversations with. And and uh, if I ever have any questions about anything finance related or even you know tax related, he's probably probably come across it. And uh, what what a great asset for me to have. They say money can't buy happiness, but not worrying about your money comes close. That's where Chime can help you smile more. You were just named the number one most loved banking app with payday up to two days early. Fee-free overdrafts up to $200. They offer financial peace of mind in your wallet. All of this with no annual fees, large security deposits, or credit checks to apply. See for yourself why Chime is so loved at Chime.com slash millionaire. That's Chime.com slash millionaire. Chime is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Early access to direct deposit funds de- dependent on payer. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. See chime.com dash spot me. Chime was the 2021 number one most downloaded banking app in the United States, according to Aptopia. Yeah. So what do you utilize him for? What, what, what are those kind of conversations? Are you running your investment strategies by him or what kind of mentorship does he provide, you know, for you specifically? Well, I don't know if I can uh, think of an exact question uh, just because uh, with busy schedules now, you know, we're probably talking every every couple months, every few months. But um, it's more of just filling each other in and, and giving each other updates and, uh, you know, pats on the back about, uh, wow, what, what, what a great job we're, we're doing in the finance world and, and staying diligent and staying disciplined. And um, not that either of us have a problem with that, but 
Yeah, I would definitely say I don't go to him for counsel all that often. Uh, or at least one uh, a situation doesn't really come to mind. But uh, yeah, although I, I guess uh, to answer, actually, it just popped in my head. Real estate definitely will will, will come to uh, comes to mind for for that. So he's a real estate broker. So you know, as far as the Airbnb that I have, you know, that he came in a uh, uh, big handy when I bought that house. And, you know, now do I sell it? Do I not sell it? You know, I asked him that question, uh, you know, just a few few weeks ago. Joe, you've built up this great net worth. You're super young. You're living the dream, transitioning from from being, you know, in the, in the office to, to being a, a fighter pilot. Where do you go from here at this point? You know, I ask myself that every single day. I I have no idea. I know that the the possibilities uh, are are limitless, and what a uh, not to sound preachy, but I mean what a what a what a great thing, and I'm very blessed to be in this position. I owe five and a half years left in my contract to the Navy, at which point I'll be at about eleven and a half, twelve years, so I could stay in for the career and then retire uh, off of the the military pension, or I could get out, uh, go fly for the airlines. Uh, get another job, start a business, you know, go into public service. I, I really have no idea uh, what the future holds. I could be a stay-at-home dad, but that's the goal is to have that option five and a half years from now that if I do want to be a stay-at-home dad, that I can go ahead and do it. Uh, or if I want to fly for the airlines, I can do that. Or if I want to stay in the Navy, then I can I can do that. So uh, I really have absolutely no idea. Did you think you would reach millionaire status at, at, at this age? No. In fact, I'm glad you asked that question because I, when I first got into the, the, the Navy, I was, uh, you know, put a spreadsheet together and had all of my expenses and all of the uh, vehicles. And of course, I used the, you know, 6% and 7% and 8%. And uh, I think I had just under a million right before my contract would be up. So um, at about 37 years. So I, I didn't anticipate getting it this quickly. So is there a net worth goal? You know, I, I used to think so. Uh, I went on a vacation one time to Barbados and uh, and stayed at a, a, a place that was, it was nice. It was very, very nice, not to diminish it at all. It was, it was, uh, it was beautiful. But there's a place in Barbados called Sandy Lane and Tiger Woods got married there. I mean, it's one of the top resorts in the world, you know, marble floors and i remember hearing we i just wanted to see it so i went for lunch right uh just to see what it was like and i remember hearing that the cheapest room for one night on a weeknight was thirty five hundred dollars it's like okay what if i want to go to sandy lane uh you know this is just sort of an arbitrary thought what if i want to go to sandy lane for one week twice a year Uh, okay now i'm looking at roughly forty thousand a week so eighty thousand a year what would that take to be the interest? You know, just maybe, you know, maybe that's the interest for, uh, you know, it's called it two months or something like that. Uh, and I think I remember coming up with a, a figure of 7.2 and I have no idea uh, how I calculated that. And that's not even a goal anymore, but I just remember thinking of that number. And I don't really have a goal anymore, uh, especially just with inflation. And I don't know what my needs or wants are going to be. I know that I want to uh, be able to travel and and uh, you know have a, a a nice place to call home. Nothing big, but things are just nice and you know it's a a wellness a place I can go home and and recalibrate. 
you know, for my mental wellness. Uh, and I also know I want to impact the community and give back. So, you know, if I were to, uh, you know, have $320 million, uh, you know, or, or $10 million and, you know, or even what I have now, like I, the, I want to be able to give that back in some way to the community. Uh, that That's a goal. So not just spend it all on myself, not just spend it all on my family, but be able to have a, a positive impact on the community someday. So I don't really have a numerical goal anymore. Just just keep doing what I'm doing and see see what comes of it. Yeah, good for you. So the home equity, let's shift here and talk about the home equity how do you have that much in home equity or why keep the home if you're in the Navy and potentially moving around? Sure. Uh, I bought the house because uh, my hometown Airbnb short-term rental scene uh, was extremely lucrative with a lot of conventions, a lot of uh, sporting events. And um, I felt that I could provide a superior product to my competitors. And boy, what a what a first year it was. I mean, it was, it was pretty remarkable. Uh, Gross 75000 so the first year, you know, immediately it was forty-five to fifty thousand uh, net profit that first year, uh, and this is before COVID. Uh, luckily, I had enough saved up that uh, COVID wasn't a, a huge deal. Uh, I just wasn't, you know, making uh, making a profit anymore, and now I'm barely making a profit, uh, and home prices have skyrocketed. So I'm contemplating selling it at this point. But we'll see, you know, if things were to come back, it's definitely lucrative, especially if you do it right uh, and provide a good, uh, good product for for people to to stay, then uh, then it could be worth it. But so you uh, just you just have somebody else manage it. So for the longest time, well, I shouldn't say for the longest time, for the first two years, I managed it on my own. Now, my whole family is there. So if I needed something crazy, then they could, uh, you know, help me out a little bit. But um, I, I technically managed it. And with modern technology, you know, as soon as somebody books the place on Airbnb, then, you know, there's a, uh, the app is linked to the Airbnb account. So, uh, an automatic uh, code gets sent automatically to the tenant and the, it automatically is, can be unlocked. It can be, the code can be used at the prescribed check-in time and then it immediately expires at checkout time. Lights are automatic, heat and air conditioning automatic, cable, TVs, all from apps on my phone. So uh, it was pretty darn successful. Now I'm, I'm so busy now uh, with workups for deployment. It's just unsustainable. And then being gone for deployment with no connectivity or virtually no connectivity next year, it just made sense to, to have a property manager, which luckily is my sister and her boyfriend who manage, uh, I think, seven properties now. And they do very well. So uh, obviously they give me a, a friend family discount, but I think it's also, um, you know, I, I think it's a, a win for them as well to have the, the property under their management. And then you had to have somebody clean it, though, even when you were doing it on your own, right? Oh, right. Yes. So I forgot about that part. So also, as soon as somebody books, it automatically books my cleaner's calendar. So I didn't even have to worry about that. And of course, payment is automatic through there. And then they send me updates if something, you know, is broken or something like that. Then, uh, then they'll text me and or say, "Hey, your 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 towels are kind of getting, uh, you know, you lost two towels this week because they were just, you know, not worthy of of putting out for guests." Uh, okay, well, I'm coming home once a quarter. Of course, COVID, uh, all of 2020, I I was gone an entire year. But uh, before that, you know, I'm, I'm coming home at least once a quarter. You know, even if it's just for a weekend, so I can. Uh, run out and get get more supplies and and replenish the house. So it was viable for quite some time, but 
you know, with, with my sister and, and, uh, her boyfriend managing properties, it just made sense to, to make the switch. And, and, uh, I couldn't be happier with that. Awesome. So let me ask you about cash. You have, I think you said, correct me if I'm wrong here, 10,000 in your checking and then 20,000 in another business checking. I do. I do. And so the, the business, uh, checking, um, yeah, that's, that's for the house. That's for the, uh, that's for the Airbnb. And yeah. I, so, so, so the question you have about 3% right in cash. 3% of your net worth, if, if I mean, very liquid, right? Obviously you have your investments as well, but 30,000 out of a million, is that right? Yep, that's uh, that's about right, yep. So pretty low, especially with very. a rental property. Well, just curious to get your thinking there. Yep, so I feel confident that I can always just take out of, take out of my taxable account. Uh, I've already paid the taxes on it. And then, you know, I never, nobody foresaw COVID, right? But I definitely did not foresee uh, a world where Okay, I'm getting maybe one booking a month, uh, but luckily I had that that coffer built up, and so I didn't have to tap into my my income uh, from the Navy. So um, my thought process is I've got a very safe job, uh, even if I were to totally and do something wrong or you know warrant essentially getting fired, then uh, the whole government process of kicking me out would still take months, and I would have a steady paycheck coming in. So uh, as far as having the safety net, uh, the emergency fund, it's just not really on the biggest priorities to me. So my emergency fund is essentially uh, my investments, and I'm just going to throw it in there, let it build. And then if something were to really crazy go go wrong, then I could always just not contribute to my TSP or my Roth IRA or the 529 or the $2,500 a month I put away in my taxable account uh, or you know whatever uh, extra cash I put into crypto, uh, or all of it, you know, I could just put it all towards the house, uh, you know, for whatever necessity, uh, that requires. So is buying more real estate in the picture? Uh, you know, I used to think so, but, but not really, especially just right now. It's just so, it's so high and, and I don't, I'm not an expert, right? I, I'm definitely not an expert in real estate, but, uh, I like to think that there won't be a massive uh, crash in real estate. Hoping that we that everybody learned their lessons, all parties learned their lessons after 08, but maybe a correction. But um, you know, I just don't see. I remember people used to throw around the one percent rule all the time. Now nobody talks about that at all, and uh, so I just don't see the numbers uh, playing out for anything that I'm looking at right now. Uh, although I still get emails every single day about new listings, uh, not just where I'm living now, but in my hometown and a couple of other cities that, uh, that just piqued my interest. I look every single day at new listings uh, just for the fun of it. And I'm not closed off to the idea of getting more real estate, but it's also not something that's uh, a major priority for me right now, especially with workups uh, for deployment and then the, uh, the impending deployment next year. So Joe, one thing that, that we haven't hit on yet that I that I want to before we close this out is you've got a pretty cool side hustle, right? I do. Yep. Uh, I've got uh, I, I play a little bit of poker on the side when I can, uh, which got me started. Uh, it it definitely gave me a big bump starting out uh, saving wise savings wise when I got out of school. Uh, I was able to play in the World Series of Poker in 2015 and got a, a roughly $30,000 prize from that. I won my seat in the tournament, so I didn't have to pay the $10,000 buy-in. So that, in addition to what I was putting away, 
uh, got my nest egg started at a very early time. So that $30,000, you know, not to belittle any money ever, but uh, you know, $30,000 now, you know, in relation to my current net worth, um, you know, not a huge, huge thing. Uh, again, not to belittle money. That's a, a lot of uh, an exorbitant amount of money, and I would look at it that that way as well. But uh, first starting out and being able to win uh, a prize that's larger than the current nest egg. Uh, that was a, that was a huge deal. And then I uh, recently just started playing again online in February and have uh, been able to do, do pretty well, which has um, came in a good time right when, right around the time when crypto uh, had a massive correction down to 28,000. So I was buying in the whole way down with all of my poker winnings and my average is about 33,000 uh, getting into the, the crypto market. So um, that's definitely funded the the sixty five thousand dollars and and uh, like I said, what a fortunate time for it to happen because the market corrected and so uh, nice little profit there too. When did you start playing poker? <laughs> I started playing poker a freshman year of high school. This is right around the Chris Moneymaker time frame uh, when he won the World Series, won a million dollars, and it was just on uh, new newly on ESPN. They had the whole uh, the whole card camera. So now it's more exciting for people uh, to watch at home and online poker was just starting its massive boom. And uh, I'm just a, a little pipsqueak freshman asking this guy sitting next to me, hey, uh, uh, what are you doing tonight after the football game? It was a Friday. He said, oh, I'm having some guys over for, for poker. And I was like, what? Get out of here. There's, what are you talking about? You're not playing poker. And he's like, yeah, we are. I said, I don't believe you. Like, that's something our dads do. Like, come on, do your parents know about this? I mean, just total, total nerd was I. And uh, I felt like such a fool. So instead of going to the football game, I went to the library. I checked out every single book on poker they had. Uh, proceeded to lose, I don't know, probably $20, $30 and two, three, four, five dollar buy-ins with friends. And then I uh, just kept studying the game and, and played through college. Uh, built up a little bit of a bankroll uh, then. And then didn't play again till law school. Uh, started playing there, and then uh, I was going, getting off of work, and going to play at the the poker rooms in my hometown uh, as a as a side hustle. And then um, joined the Navy and stopped playing. And just recently, in February, started to pick it up again. Uh, the group back home they started playing online as a result of COVID. And uh, of course, they don't just play once a week now. They play they play almost every day. Um, that's become a little bit of a side hustle. But at the same time, uh, again, long-winded answer here, I do sometimes wonder at what point is is it worth it? Because I, I love languages. I love learning. I love uh, reading. So, you know, what's the number mark per month that it's, that it's worth giving up the precious hours because I'm working 14, 15 hours a day? You know, I don't get on Duolingo that much anymore. You know, I don't read the books that I was reading before. So uh, that's something that I still contemplate. And as long as it still stays profitable, then um, then it's hard for me to say no. But at the same time, I might just have to find that sweet spot of, okay, I'm playing, I'm going to play once a week, you know, if my schedule allows, but uh, I definitely want to focus on on personal well-being and, and health and, um, and mindfulness uh, outside of that instead of it occupying all of my time as lucrative as it may be. Is there anything in in particular that you've regretted over the last decade as it relates to to your financial life or any of the decisions you made that affects that? 
there is there is one thing uh and this is like a very tongue-in-cheek answer uh response to your question uh there was a 99 cent uh bottle of orange juice i was at a, a conference for work before i joined the navy and i was so frugal that i did not buy that 99 cent uh, bottle of orange juice and i so badly wanted it i got in line and i ended up putting it back uh because i was too frugal and uh so I, it kind of a joking answer, but it, it gets to the fact that it's a problem that I've always dealt with um, and I'm trying to get better at is to actually spend money and part with it. And like I said, it, it's it's not a, a, a true answer. And sorry, the, the real true answer is no. Uh, very fortunate that I don't have many regrets. Um, you know, you can't everybody wishes. Oh, I wish I'd gotten into Bitcoin, but that's not, you know, you can't wish things like that, right? I mean, there's not a true mistake that I feel like I've 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 made yet. I'm sure I will, but uh, yeah, I just sort of wanted to point at the fact that it it's definitely something that I I work towards. I wanted to bring up that it's difficult for me to part with money and not hoard it, and uh, that's something that I work on so that when I am in the spending phases of my life, that I'm not too stingy, that I can't enjoy life and I can't uh, can't enjoy it with with friends and family. Well, because before we were recording, you said buy once, cry once, right? Oh, that's right. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, buy once, cry once. I will do my research on on things that I that I buy. So, gosh, I'm trying to think of the of an example, but yeah, I won't buy something unless I know that I'm going to have it for quite a long time, uh, if not my entire life. Uh, and also, it's got a place. I uh, things just don't really excite me. Uh, you know, it just it it it's clutter and. Um, that's something that actually that you know coming up on on Christmas, you know, and we're only in August still, but um, you know, my my mom's already asked me what's on your Christmas list, and uh, I have to walk this fine line of of being grateful and uh, also conveying uh, conveying my my uh, not beliefs but conveying my my preferences. I don't want anything, you know. I, I feel like I I have everything that I could can need and, and want and uh, things just sort of uh, make me feel claustrophobic. So, but when I do buy something, I make sure I get one that's not a cheap knockoff or at least, you know, it can be cheap, but just make sure it's going to withstand uh, time and I'm going to continue to get value from it. Not just then, but uh, down the road without me hoarding it and without it becoming a, a, a burden on my life. Yeah. Do you have any debt? Uh, just the house, just the, uh, just the mortgage on the house. Okay. And, and prior to that, did you have any debt, credit cards, student loans? No. So I always looked at credit cards as, you know, I, I even was at the point where now I've got automatic payments on, but I don't think an automatic payment ever gets uh, sent. I think I'm always on there once a week or once every other week. It wasn't a point where I was, you know, as soon as I bought something, I would pay the statement, you know, as long, uh, as soon as it was not an, a pending transaction anymore, I would just go and, and pay it. So luckily never had an issue with credit card debt. Uh, I never viewed credit card, uh, a credit card limit as, uh, money that was mine. It's not unless I have the, the, uh, account, the bank account to support it. So I never had an issue with that. And then, uh, again, very, very blessed. Uh, I, I never had, uh, student loans and parents that, that um, that that funded that. So um, I know a lot of people aren't in that position. I couldn't be uh, couldn't be more blessed there. And in fact, going back to goals, uh, that's definitely a big goal of mine is to provide education for my kids, future kids one day, uh, and not just college and beyond. But uh, I've got 
Um, this is probably my biggest financial goal and I can't believe I forgot about it. So I'm going to go into it right now if that's all right. But uh, there's a school in my hometown that's that is an international school and it's a bilingual program and kids can take um, become fluent in not only one but two languages by the time they graduate high school with half of college paid for and an uh, international baccalaureate degree. So that's a goal of mine is to be able to provide education for my kids um, from you know K through uh, whatever, uh, however far they want to go in their education um, education goals. Yeah. Did Did you worry about money, or do you uh, still do you still worry about money at all? You know, I don't worry about it now. I remember first getting started and wondering how am I gonna. And this is so it's almost embarrassing to talk about. But I, I thought to myself I was making thirty seven, thirty eight thousand a year when I first got out of law school, uh, and thinking to myself, okay, if I live at home and save ninety ninety five percent of it. Uh, okay, thirty call it thirty four thousand times you know fifty years of my life, and well, I can't. How am I going to live on that? You know, as a as a licensed attorney, I didn't really even understand the concept of compounded interest until then. And so yeah, I kind of worried about it then. But then uh, you know, I got that that uh, poker winnings and had a little bit of a lump sum, and luckily, uh, you know. My, my buddy became my, my mentor and, you know, it's like, no, dude, get that, get that in the market, you know, and it happened to be a great time uh, to, to get into the market right after the crash in, in 08. So I did it at a time, but, but definitely not anymore. Uh, it's just a matter of what the market's going to do. But at the same time, if it were to go crashing down, I feel pretty darn confident that I can just, you know, not change anything at all. In fact, I'll, every correction there there is in a market i, I get kind of excited about because then i can buy more so uh no uh again long road to a short house i don't uh, uh i don't really worry about money did it did this all happen reach a millionaire faster than you thought or 100 percent, absolutely like i said the uh the the spreadsheet that i created i thought i was going to hit hit it around 38 you know and the goal for me was to get it before uh, before I got out or before my, my contract was up rather, but yeah, I never, never, uh, imagined it would hit this fast, but again, you know, with the market and if you're diligent and have a high savings rate, you know, and are frugal when, when you, when you can be, then it's definitely possible. So Joe is, is you kind of go through this career, obviously you got your JD, obviously now, you know, flying F-18s. How do you recharge? Oh, well, right now I, I, you know, I sat down for this interview uh, and I had about five minutes to work through some technical issues before a call. You know, I, I don't even, I haven't even figured it out yet. I've been too busy to, <laughs> I've been too busy this year to figure it out. I used to play a lot of golf. Uh, there's no time for that. Um, definitely re- keeping in touch with friends and family. That's definitely one. Uh, listening to music on the way into work and, and leaving work and then podcasts. You know, I don't watch any TV. So that definitely provides some time to, to recharge a little bit. Um, I feel like if I were to spend an hour of, in front of the TV, I, I, I just don't know when I would be able to put, fit that on the schedule. And yeah, I, I spend a lot of time with, with friends. Uh, I, I play uh, piano. I really enjoy that, although it's just tough to find time. I enjoy learning languages. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I, I play poker, which really isn't a recharge. And that's what I was kind of getting at earlier is, you know, at what point is it worth it? You know, I, mean, I, I understand that recharging uh, my mind, um, you know, my spiritual health is extremely important, especially with what I do. And 
where is the line uh, monetarily when it becomes like, okay, I'm going to completely abandon uh, playing the piano for 30 minutes a night, or I'm going to completely abandon reading a book um, because, you know, this money, uh, I just can't say no to it. Uh, but at the same time, my mental health requires it. So I do have some hobbies that I really enjoy doing. Um, before I was so busy, I, I played in a hockey league, uh, golf, staying active that way. But um, it's, just, it's been an interesting year. So it's tough to answer the question just because it's been such a, a demanding year. Uh, if you'd asked me this nine months ago, I'd have a, a, a list you know, 10 minutes long of all the hobbies that, that I, that I enjoy doing. All right. So just in closing here, Joe, I mean, you've given so much great advice, but if you could pinpoint a couple things that you could say, Hey, that's what made me so successful, you know, obviously as a person or financially, what would they be? And what would your last words of advice to somebody that says, Hey, I want to be like that guy. Sure. As far as professionally, personal finance, personal finance, or, um, sort of, um, like mindset or, or, or all of it. Yeah, I think all of it. All okay. Of it. Uh, well, again, sorry. I feel like I'm just giving such long-winded answers. I hope no, no, it's good. Uh, as far as personal finance, just high savings rate. I don't think uh, there's been a single person on your show that, that has said, yeah, you know, 15% or 20% works for me. Uh, and it's gotten me to where I am. Uh, no, high savings rate is, is definitely key. Um, I think I've been, there's not been a time when I've been below 70 ever. Um, you know, at one point I was still, I feel like I've been able to live life and go and enjoy things and go out to dinner uh, with friends and, you know, experience, uh, you know, travel and whatnot. But, um, you know, the buy once, cry once mentality and, and uh, not spending money frivolously uh, has helped there. Uh, you know, the camper trailer helped when I was spending $200 a month in rent uh, when I was in flight school. Uh, as far as professionally goes, just never uh, never settle. You know, I, I feel like I've talked to a couple of people and they said, Oh, I, I don't know if, I don't know if I'll get accepted. Like, I, I don't, I don't think I'm going to pursue it. Uh, and it's like, well, somebody has got to, I mean, if they let this C C plus student, uh, corn hick, you know, if they let me fly, fly it. And you know, I've had you know, less than reputable experiences in my life, things that I'm not proud of, just like everybody else. And if they let me do it, then, then why not? Why not you? So if anybody's ever uh, applying for um, a scholarship or for some program in the military or I'm just like, well, somebody's got to get it. So put your hat in the ring and, and put your best foot forward. So I guess just never give up there. And then mindset wise, um, I kind of attribute it maybe a little bit to uh, to growing up. I've never felt like I fully can integ have integrated with groups of people. Um you know, I've never been the popular kid. Uh, and as I've grown older and I like to think a little bit, maybe a little bit more mature and, and maybe a little bit more wiser, uh, I've felt I've fallen into uh, my rhythm of being a little bit more quiet, contrary to what people might think from this interview with my long-winded answers. But, um, you know, not trying to be the uh, the jokester or, you know, things like that. So I've fallen I've fallen into my rhythm. Uh, but. Growing up, I didn't really belong. Uh, I've got great friends and lifelong friends since I was a kid. But as far as being the popular kid, I was definitely not that. Uh, I got made fun of a lot in high school. So, you know, I guess if, uh, if I was sitting on a couch uh, with, with a therapist, they might say, well, your ambition is geared at, at getting back at the kids that, that bullied me in high school. But that's just being honest with myself and being honest with your listeners. 
but I really can't pinpoint. Maybe I'm completely off basis there, and, and I just always want to work hard and, you know, going setting my mind on the next thing and, and constantly um, aspiring for improvement and, and, uh, and self-betterment. Well, thanks for sharing. Thanks for opening up. I appreciate it. Just last couple of questions here. What's been your range of income through your working life? So I started out at 37,000. Uh, I remember I was making $1,200 a month at the Senate internship uh, after college. I thought that was, uh, I thought that was an exorbitant amount of money. Uh, after law school, 37,000 a year. And now gross with the Navy, uh, I think I'm just under a hundred thousand, uh, gross, but I sort of look at it not as, you know, just under hundred thousand. I look at more what I, what I bring in. So I know that every single paycheck, um, you know, every, so twice a month, I bring in 2450, uh, a month, uh, every paycheck. And then I know that my rent goes out the door for that. So, uh, you know, let's call it rent and utilities, 900 and I've got roommates, uh, and then maxing out the, uh, Roth IRA, the 529, and then I know I've got $2,500 uh, going out the um, the door for my taxable account. So uh, really, I kind of view it as I, I make about $1,100 a month. That's just sort of my mentality. Uh, so I've got that range of income, and, and yeah, I'm sure I make just under $100,000 uh, as, a, as, a, as an aviator, as a lieutenant in the Navy. Uh, my mindset is I make $1,100 a month. And what about spending? Spending, uh, I mean, like I said, that's that's definitely been a problem of mine uh, to actually spend. So uh, usually it's not a big problem. Um, you know, I can keep it under the $1,100 a month range, uh, fairly fairly easy. Yeah, I, I've never really. I've tried to make a budget, but it's just I don't know. There's no. My, I've got the opposite problem uh, of, of trying to spend more money. Uh, so again, very lucky there. Uh, as far as personal finance goes, but uh, never really budgeted and spending has never been been an issue for me or overspending rather. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Joe, thanks so much for coming on. Net worth of a million bucks. Really appreciate it. I mean, amazing story, amazing advice. So thanks for spending almost an hour with us here. So thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. And uh, thanks for having me on. And I hope I get to uh, come back on later at a higher net worth. And uh, um, like I said, if anybody has any questions for me about the military, I'd be more than happy to answer them. And uh, that's part of part of being in a position where I am. You know, it's there's going to be people after you, and and it's all about giving back to the the next generation of of air crew and military members, uh, not just flyers. So, uh, giving back to to the next uh, generation is big, uh, very important to me. So, uh, if anybody's got any questions, I would love to uh, love to help out where possible. Awesome. Thanks Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.